Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. David Wayne has been on the cutting edge of digital comedy since the turn of the century, making short films for his live comedy shows with Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black, debuting a web series, Wayney Days, on the streaming platform My Damn Channel in 2007, helping Rob Corddry take his web series Children's Hospital to TV with Adult Swim and winning multiple Emmys for it, and adapting his first feature film, 2001's Wet Hot American Summer, into two separate spin-off series, a prequel and a sequel for Netflix. He's directed multiple feature films amid all of that, including The Ten, Role Models, Wanderlust, They Came Together, and A Futile and Stupid Gesture. His most recent trick he pulled off? Getting the funny folks of Children's Hospital out of the hospital and around the world on an action-adventure caper called Medical Police. The ten-episode season debuted in January 2020 on Netflix. I sat down with Wayne before the series premiere to find out how he has adapted to all of the ways TV has changed in the 21st century. So let's get to it! So, David Wayne, thank you for uh, inviting me into your Hollywood offices. You are in the nerve center, the place where all the exciting things happen. As you can see, there's four walls, a couch, and a computer. (laughs) (laughs) It's the glamour of Hollywood. Well, you know, right as we were, as I was setting up the equipment, I was telling you that it's fascinating how much the business has changed in the last 20 years. And, yeah, when you were making Wet Hot American Summer and you know, selling it to Sundance 20 years ago. It was a very different model. But you still had the four walls. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you had an office back then. I but. didn't have an office back then, that's for sure. Um, and I still don't. This is actually um, an office that is set up for one project that I'm working on, so I'm using it as my default place to work. Ah. Um, but, um, and before that, actually, I had an office that was a room in a friend's company. I've, I, I'm not uh, as set up as maybe some of my peers are. <laughs> But that's you know that's kind of, but that's kind of the yeah the the choice that most comedians make. It's rare to have yeah a workplace that you call a that's workplace. true. Although I, I especially since I have children, I like to have I try to leave the house to do anything. Right, you know I try to have separation like that if I can. Um, but it's usually wherever my most main project is is my current office. Gotcha. Um, so. Tell me, like, okay, so the, the the project that's coming out now is Medical Police, which yeah. is a spinoff or a yeah, sequel. Well, what, we how, this, what are we what are we classifying? It? Well, we had a series uh, for for those who may not know on mm-hmm. Adult Swim for seven seasons called Children's Hospital, and this was a quarter hour long uh, show that was in the form of an hour long medical drama, but it was a really stupid comedy, um, and. We loved making this, um, and we did it uh, for seven seasons, as I said. Uh, won some Emmys, just had a great time. And then when that ended, uh, we were like, what else can we do in this universe? Mm-hmm. And so we uh, came up with this idea of a spin-off show that's bigger in scope. It's a half hour long, and it's a action-adventure, Mission Impossible, James Bond-type genre 
but it's in the world of Children's Hospital and primarily featuring two of the characters from the show, played by Rob Hubel and Aaron Hayes, um, but also includes all the other actors from mm-hmm. Children's Hospital as well as others. And um, it's it's was really fun to do, and it's all the same sense of humor as Children's Hospital, but a very different canvas. And we shot it uh, both in L.A. and in Croatia. Oh, wow. It takes place all over the world, and it, it's kind of a blast. Now, what kind of crew and equipment did you have for that? Uh, well, it was the same as um, any typical low-budget cable show. We mm-hmm. had a small crew, and we had our, you know, we shot it on usually two cameras, video <laughs> and um is that what you're asking <laughs> yeah no the yeah the, the the process of it in terms of like what it takes to actually make yeah well i mean this this we did this for netflix make television make netflix yeah and uh it takes a lot of money way more than you'd ever imagine if you're not in the know of this kind of stuff and um our show was for Netflix on the very uh, on the lower end of the budget and schedule, so we had to use tricks that we've learned over the years to move very fast and cleverly make a little look like a lot. It's it's quite an adventure, though, for a show that actually began before Adult Swim, wasn't it? Originally, the CW. Uh, well, it was. Seed or yeah, it was. Before it was on Adult Swim, it was on this. <laughs> CW network or not? C- yeah, some kind of Warner Digital platform that's right. long gone. Um, it was the brainchild of Rob Corddry originally when there was a writer strike, and he found a way to do this web series as something to do. Mm-hmm. And he just called whatever friends were around, and that became the ten episode, five minute each web series, uh, first season of Children's Hospital. And then we went on to make it into more of a full fledged TV show uh, on Adult Swim after that. And it was the first. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was the first short form series to win an Emmy. Like, I didn't they create the category? I think, yeah, uh, something they like that. They created the category, and it was Children's the cat- Hospital yeah, was the I first th- winner. We were so psyched to win that first Emmy, but in a way, there weren't that many other possible categories. You know, there were very few uh, potential nominees, and so right. um, short form comedy, something like that. Yeah, but you were no stranger to that, since you had previously done your own project, Wayne Days. Right, I had the web series Wayne Days, and before that, you know, a decade before that, we had done the Stella Shorts, right. which was originally on a website called ComedyNet.com. They had given us literally $500, I think, per short. Um, we mainly used them just to put up in front of our live shows we did in New York, um, but that became sort of a viral series of sorts. Uh, first, people passed them around on VHS tapes, believe it or not. It was that long. And then we put them out on DVDs just that we made by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then they eventually... I mean, we f- we did those starting in 1998 and YouTube for... Um, just to get your bearings, didn't even start until 2007. Um, but I've really been myself making those kind of shorts since I was 12. Well, how is the, how is that process? And also, just for everyone's bearings, I'm right. 50 right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's why I asked you with with medical police in terms of the crew and the process and the equipment because. How much of that has ch- how has that changed over the years? I mean, the, the creative process of making something, telling a story, comedy is similar no matter what you're doing. For me, it's figuring out the best way to visually tell the story and work with the actors and figure out the script and figure out the comedy and what's the tone and all that is basically the similar 
idea, but obviously if you're running around with your own camera on your shoulder and just screwing around with your friends, that's what that is. And then if you have a big crew and you have to have other considerations of a hundred people on your set and marketing and budgeting and a network and layers of approval and all that stuff, you have to kind of hopefully incorporate those into what you're doing, but still be focused on the core of telling the story Mm -hmm. and making it funny in whatever you're doing. Okay. So for Stella, for instance, there's you, Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black. Yeah. How many other people are are involved in the making of a Stella video? Well, when we were doing those shorts, Mm -hmm. and not to be confused with our series we did on Comedy Central, it was, uh, often it was just the three of us and one other person that was holding the camera. Uh, another friend of ours. At first, it used to be John Hamburg or whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we'd have two people. You know, another person's holding a microphone or just helping out. Um, maybe three <laughs> in 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 the fancier ones, but um, that was about it. Um, was there a budget? Like I said, I think it was about five hundred bucks we got from this one website, comedy comedynet dot com. Long gone, long long gone. And they would put it up, and it would be the size of a postage stamp with mm-hmm. the video frame. And uh, that's what that was. But How um, long did it take you to make a, a video those, for them? Those videos, we would usually, uh, one of us would write the script, mm-hmm. and it would take half an hour, whatever. <laughs> and then we would shoot it, usually in a few hours, in an afternoon. Usually, and sometimes it was either the day before or the day of our live show that we were going to show it. So mm-hmm. we would then cut it together also extremely quickly. And I think a lot of why those shorts to me are funny and really have a a certain special tone to them is because of the lack of overthinking in them. There's, it was truly just whatever our instincts were to, and, and also no censorship clearly of just, you know, there is, they're deeply offensive possibly, (laughs) but, um, part of, I think what, yeah, what works is they're just like, Oh my God. Um, and just have a lot of weird ideas in them because there's nobody in being like, oh, let's, that seems too strange or that's too out there. Right. And they're also, like you said, it predated YouTube yeah. or any of the other sites that came along since we, then. We genuinely thought uh, 100 people would see it at a nightclub that night, and that was the end of it. And so that's another why, reason why maybe we were so unrestrained in those shorts comedically and otherwise whereas then we went to do our series on Comedy Central which was inspired by an outgrowth from those same shorts but a totally different animal we're writing scripts we're getting notes from network we have a budget we have certain content restraints that and instead of trying to fight against those we decided to reinvent what we're doing in a different format that that isn't working against those and so those were much more plotted stories it was a half hour show um, I'm much less running around with dildos, <laughs> other things. So when it came time to, to, sh- to make and shoot Wainy Days, yeah. YouTube had just come on the scene, but then there were these other sites, Funny or Die, College Humor, right. My Damn Channel. And at the, the time, one. YouTube was just one of the like, – right. it, wasn't, it, it wasn't clear that YouTube was going to be the only game in town at all at the time. And, yeah, this guy, uh, Rob Barnett, started this thing, My Damn Channel, and he came to me and made an offer that was really great, which was, we, you know, we'd like to be in business with you, do literally whatever you want, and we'll pay you X amount per uh, short that you make, and that's it. No notes, no nothing. And so I was like, that's on, how, how am I going to say no to that? <laughs> um, so with that 
in mind, I came up with this simple idea. Each short involves a different attempt at me as having some kind of relationship. And um, based on the years when I was single, because I had just gotten uh, married or had just been with my wife at the time. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just started cranking those out. And it was super fun and involving actors and friends that I wanted to work with. And um, that process also was very quickly writing something. And then it was a little bit bigger than those Stella shorts. We'd have a little bit of a crew, but it was usually still very, very small, maybe six people. And uh, we'd shoot usually in one day or more than one in a day and edit them and put them on. Were you concerned with that in terms of what kind of audience you were going to reach in t- size or, or demographics or what No, I mean, that, that was also another thing where the stakes are so low and it's it allows you to have more fun with it sometimes because there was it, Rob Barnett wasn't like if we don't get X number of views uh, it's a real problem or anything and, and I wasn't I mean it was very unsophisticated versus what one might try to do today with marketing or getting web traffic but uh, I just shot what I thought was funny and did it and it was a fun it was a it was fun to do because at the same time I was doing my first big studio movie role models and that was a whole other side of it where you know many armies of marketing people are chiming in before you put pen to paper and saying this is important this is important so it was it was exciting for me creatively to be doing both of those at the same time what did you learn from Wayne days that you were able to bring to children's hospital in terms of well everything i've done i learned a lot and just sort of kept honing the same general process of realizing getting better and my batting average going up of how to make something funny Mm -hmm. and how to and what pitfalls can be and a lot of the the scrappier stuff i've done like wainy days and a lot of stuff with the state and the stella shorts helped inform things that have to be more planned out and cost more money because you see the end result of where not to overthink where not to overjudge and where to, to where to, what things to take seriously and what things to have fun with. But you know, most of your previous projects, though, those were sketch based, right? And then Children's Hospital is an eleven minute, no ads, eleven minutes, just straight. Yeah. Well, we realized plot I mean, joke, I mean, plot joke. Yeah, I mean, we realized though that even in, even as dumb as the Stella shorts were, or anything we've done. No matter how short it is, it still needs a story mm-hmm. and a beginning, middle, and end, or it's really just, I mean, a, a string of jokes gets boring after 20 seconds, I think. You know, it, it does, if it doesn't have some arc to it or something you're following, some th- spine. Um, and I really did sort of, you know, when we when, when made the first feature film, Wet Hot American Summer, and then when you're doing the longer the form, the more you have to follow and evolve real storytelling structure and so i think we just put more effort to in that into that depending on how long it was so we, when we were doing the 11 minute episodes on children's hospital it was super fun to try to we usually had between three and five different storylines that all had a beginning middle and end within the 11 minute spans of one of those episodes as if it was an hour and a half or an hour long drama and it was fun to have the discipline to figure out how to tell those stories so quickly was it i know you know since you did win emmys for it what was the adjustment process like in terms of getting 
audiences and the industry to to recognize that this is as valid a form as the 22-minute sitcom I mean, I don't know that we ever really did do that. I mean, as much as we won those short form Emmys and the mm-hmm. sort of JV Emmys, um, not to not to belittle, it was a great honor, and I'm thrilled to have done it. But they're the same statues, though, right? They same are the same awards. statues, and I have three of them somewhere. And uh, but they also, I don't. Unfortunately, I think Children's Hospital still lives in that kind of cult. You got to know about it world in terms of the larger really? zeitgeist. I mean, it depends. I mean, you know, I think people like you who focus on comedy mm-hmm. all the time have a, a, maybe a different v- filtered view of this. But, but I think that's true of most shows these days now. You know, there's so many TV shows. There's so much content. But I think if you ask the average content consumer, mm-hmm. what's Children's Hospital? They would have no clue. But I think that um, those who know it love it. And mm-hmm. that's great. And that's been largely true of most of what I've done is it's sort of that niche of small but very devoted. I was going to say, how would you compare the Children's Hospital fan to the Wet Hot? Similar. <laughs> and then, you know, I think all of the, the totality of the work I've done has given me a lot of fulfillment and a lot of joy because the people who like it really love it and it matters to them and they care and they tell me about it and it feels good. Um, but it has, you know, kept my earnings uh, at a certain ceiling, but uh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, that, you know, that just helps your street cred. Helps my street, keeps me hungry, <laughs> keeps me scrappy. Well, for years, you, you know, you know, I live in New York and for years you would do wet hot screenings and celebrations. Yeah. And I was always and, the first to like celebrate my own <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Shamelessly. <laughs> but with all the talk, you know, all the talk from those loyal, f- devoted fans about doing something, did it did it ever dawn on you during those years that what would end up happening would be Netflix would be the way? No, definitely not. I mean, we, we had heard clamors from fans for years to do something more with Wet Hot, to do a mm-hmm. sequel. And Mike and I early on were like, well, let's do a prequel. And we wrote a screenplay for it, um, and it was very, very different than what we ended up doing. But we never occurred to us to do anything but another movie. Um, and as we were struggling with figuring out that screenplay in a more serious way, right around the time we looked around and we're like, "Wait a minute! There's this new thing, Netflix, and that's really what this should be." And it's funny because it was only a few years ago now, but it, it was like 20 eras ago for Netflix. And we went in there. It was a very small office. And mm-hmm. we talked to the head of the company and said, what do you think about this? And he's like, sure, let's try it. It's very different now. But um, so, but that was an incredible experience to be able to do that. And you know, for me to, to, to rebuild that world from all those years ago and be obsessive about it and pretend that every detail in, in that original movie is like a part of a constitution of something that you have to pay attention to. And it was just kind of fun. I've, I've read... TV critics and other filmmakers talk about what Netflix, the effect Netflix has had on on TV and movie on on TV in terms of turning TV into essentially five hour movies or ten hour movies. Yeah, do you agree with that? Having been through the process and make being a filmmaker yourself, definitely the ones that I've worked on have been that way, and and it. I find it frustrating as a viewer sometimes because people are like, you really got to watch this thing. And, you know, the first 10 hours are a little slow, but then then the second 10 hours, you really start to pick up. I'm like, Jesus, who's got time like that in an adult life? Um, but as a maker, it is exciting because you really have a big canvas to work on. And certainly 
the two miniseries of Wet Hot American Summer we did were really, in every way, process-wise movies. Um, the episodes were divided in uh, basically like chapters, but um, we shot it all at once. You know, we didn't shoot it in episodes, and we thought of it all as one big mega script, and we that's really what it was and medical police a little bit less so but also similar and we shot it all at once the same way although that's got to be more of a of a of a drastic change because children's hospital you're going from 11 minutes oh yeah well <laughs> medical police really did, blowing it out into a yeah and, and children's hospital was and physically getting out of the hospital right uh, by definite by uh, by design children's hospital we l- just about literally never left the hospital location for shooting once right. in the case of medical police every scene is in another country basically <laughs> and in another world and you know it, 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 we wanted to do the extreme of like that kind of genre mm-hmm. Um, but we were working on a similar budget to Children's Hospital, so it was it was a lot of cleverness, and we you know we couldn't really even afford to move locations within Los Angeles that much, and so we just uh, faked it all the way. But it was it's fun, you can see, and we we got a lot of a lot of bang out of shooting in Croatia, um, and but yes, the canvas and the the time of each episode, yeah, it changes the whole feel of it. It's a very very different show. But if you're a fan of Children's Hospital, it's the same ultimate sense of humor. That's great. Yeah. And the characters are the same. Um, in terms of just having a, uh, the longevity of a career, what do you think has been kind of the key to your success in adapting to how, how it's changed? Well, first of all, I never really... As I think a lot of people will say, I didn't have some grand plan. I mean, I think some people maybe do. I, I I didn't chart out, you know, years in advance like how I want to develop things. I just mm-hmm. more than that, just tried to each day be sincere about what I'm doing. And I've generally, I think, emboldened by my experience doing the state in college, I realized that the priority for me is to work on things that are fun and with people that I like and care about and that I respect. And that is material that means something to me and actually works for me and makes me laugh over commercial considerations. Um, and as I said, it's it's kept my wallet a little lighter, but it's it's I think it's probably elongated my career and made me have a better slow build trajectory. But who knows? And who knows where we're going? <laughs> but you still have Showalter on the same floor as you, so right. Well, yeah, uh, yes. There, the show search party's down the hall here. Yeah, <laughs> we're at the Jack's office right now. Did you did you think that like thirty years after the state that you'd still be? Well, it's incredible seeing that seeing some of the same people. I mean, you know, this was uh, the state was our group of eleven, ten guys and one girl mm-hmm. at NYU, and we were a sketch troupe then, and we still to this day work together all the time in different configurations all the time. And I see different members of the state, you know, every week. It's it's kind of insane. <laughs> it's a really lucky thing to meet those kind of long-term friends and collaborators when you're 18. Yeah. Um, what is the secret of that? Luck, 100%. I mean, I, I've, I mean you know, we, we were all at NYU, and we were all 
it was a very random set of circumstances that brought us all together. And I just think the the big luck part was, I mean, we were all interested in sketch comedy and fine, but I think the big luck part was that every member of the group was really special and really in sync. If you ever, I don't know how often you get asked to talk to college kids now, but if you do, what do you tell them about getting into sketch comedy and filmmaking uh, it's funny, well, in this world, <laughs> so I realize, you know, my advice involving what you might do in college is 30 years old at this point. Right. Um, and <laughs> Some things are the, still the same, I know. but everything else is different. Sometimes people ask me about NYU film school. They're like, you know, what should I? And I, and I start talking and I realize, wait a minute, maybe, maybe some teachers have moved on in the past 30 years or whatever. <laughs> they like, might have retired. Go to the fourth floor and check out this. But um, uh, so... I mean, obviously, it's such a, it's so much, e- what's great about today is it's so much easier to put a quality image onto a screen. Like mm-hmm. The technical side of it is so incredible. And then to get it out there. And so, you know, a crafty six-year-old could make a really great video and get it out there and get it seen. Um, so where that really was not the case when, I, when we were coming up. Um, and obviously there's no one way and I do give advice a lot to people who are either at whatever phase um, and I guess I think it's still ultimately the same thing focus on your writing voice and mm-hmm. your performing voice and your craft and those things that are the same things that you would say to somebody in the 1920s or the 1600s it's, you know focus on how to tell a story and what your what is true for you, and all the other external stuff is also important, but probably easier to learn without having to put a lot of effort into it. If you were if you were just starting out now, I know you said you know before YouTube became such a behemoth, there were really no rules and everybody was doing their own thing. Do you have any? Any idea how you would go about it yourself? Oh, sometimes I think I'd be terrified. I mean, I, I, I think when we were doing sketch comedy shorts mm-hmm. videos with the state when I was in my you know late teens, I don't know that anyone else in New York City was doing that. Like, it, 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 there was such a smaller playing field for what the specific thing we were doing. So who knows what where we or I would have been in that it's just it literally is, feels like apples and oranges in that way yeah um so i have no clue i mean and i know that when i was a kid i and i still to this day when i hear about some new thing that people i want to get involved in i want to learn it and i want to see what it is and try it. and i i'm also very gadgety and i'm i'm always trying to teach myself i need to learn after effects photoshop mm-hmm. and, you know whatever you've been really good with the uh on your insta stories with uh-huh. using uh, movie magic, or real real magic and movie magic. Yes, I try to. I I love just <laughs> that's one thing I've noticed. Stuff. Yeah, I do Photoshop gags and mm-hmm. VFX gags and little things. Are you on music TikTok? And, no, I. I, I <laughs> As did, a fifty year old, are you not allowed to be on TikTok? <laughs> it should be the case. I did have a friend briefly who who was really like saying you got to do TikTok and mm-hmm. I did try it for like a week and I was like this is ridiculous <laughs> and you can't do everything mm-hmm. um, but if I definitely if I didn't have to earn a living I I think I would really and sometimes I fantasize about actually like just stopping anything other than making YouTube videos and doing you know like a lot of people do um, I feel like maybe 
I should be doing YouTube and podcasts and and nothing else. And maybe that's more fun. I don't know. More fun than this office. I mean, the office is pretty Media? amazing, as you can see. There's there, for for people who can't see this. There's cork boards. There are cork there's boards. chairs. There's water bottles. It's incredible. <laughs> lots of lots of notes, not post-it notes. No foosball not, here. No hot tub. No. <laughs> this is all business. Yeah. Well, uh, David Wayne, thank you so much for for taking some time out of your busy schedule. It is my pleasure. Thanks. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.